welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Just take some uh, order of business here to start us off, but Patrick Kite is going to join me as the guest host. Leland is dealing with some family health stuff. Everyone is good. Everyone is fine, but it is meaning Leland won't be able to record this week, so we will have Leland probably next week, uh, but Thanks to Patrick Kite for joining me on such short notice and helping me out so I don't have to talk about all this stuff by myself. And, and apologies to all Leland's fan club out there <laughs> that, uh, that I'm following. I know that people probably tune in just wanting to hear Leland every week, and now they hear me and they're disappointed. I'm, I'm sorry in advance, but I'll, I'll do my best to fill his shoes. Yeah, well, and I won't yell at you like I usually do, Leland, so <laughs> that'll be my thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Even if I screw up, like <laughs> yeah. say something totally stupid. Yep. If, if I if I rag on Virginia Tech, I, none of that. Well, we'll I mean, we'll see. We'll okay. see. Okay. <laughs> but let's let's get into it. Let's talk about high school baseball first. And right now, Wilson Memorial continues to be the class of the Shenandoah District. Right now, they beat Gap in Waynesboro, and that matchup with Gap was a big one because. Buffalo Gap had gotten off to a really hot start in baseball, and that was kind of a measuring stick game for Buffalo Gap. Hey, are you really going to have staying power, or is Wilson still that number one team? And it looks at least early. Now, they will play again, but Wilson getting the better of Buffalo Gap that first time around really showed that maybe this is the year where Wilson can kind of pull away a little bit in the Shenandoah District. Yeah, this Wilson team right now, I mean, they got three wins in a row. As you mentioned, that gap win was huge for them. Um, they're sitting right now in Region 3C. Mm-hmm. They're, they're sitting way – I think they're number number three or something. I saw those uh, I saw those rankings come out. And it's early. As you said, there's a lot of baseball left to play. But Wilson is, is playing really well right now. Rodney Cullen – to me, is there's a lot of good coaches in Shenandoah District Baseball, but Rodney Cullen, to me, is the best. He's been around for so long. He does such a great job. I think he's got a good pitching staff there. Um, I, yeah, I like this Wilson team. Now, they've got um, Spotswood coming up, which is sitting number two in Region 3C, so that'll be a good test for them. Uh, I think they've already lost to Spotswood once this year, so so we'll see. They step out of district and play that game. We'll see how they do, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Right with you. I, I love Wilson right now. I think I think they're playing really well. Buffalo Gap, though, that's a tough loss for them, but they're in good shape. They're really, oh, if you look down at, at, at 1B, they're in good, good shape. And, and they've got a good week coming up, too, with uh, you know, Fort Defiance, Waynesboro, and then Riverheads. And I think we'll know a lot more about this Buffalo Gap team after that stretch. Although, you know, uh, some of these games are uh, Tuesday night, which who knows what the weather is. <laughs> Snowing on a Monday, so in April, so who knows what the weather is going to be? But but right now that schedule looks like you know Fort Waynesboro, Riverheads, and this week, and that that's a, a big week for Buffalo Gap, and we'll know a lot more about the Bison after that stretch. I was going to say I do kind of feel that Buffalo Gap Fort game, if it's played on Tuesday, could be a real. Uh, I guess are you going to remain competitive kind of game for the rest of the season? Because Fort Defiance did not start off well. Now, they ended up splitting last week. They got a huge win against Riverheads on Tuesday. But then on Thursday, they lose to a draft, and you're like, okay, maybe 
maybe we still don't know exactly what this draft or this Fort Defiance team is. Now, not taking anything away from Stewart's draft. They're off to a good start in the district, three and one, nothing to sneeze at. But it, it does kind of feel like the Gap Fort game, the winner of that game can say, okay, regular season district championship still very much in reach. The team that loses, I think, is going to be hoping for a top seed, but will more likely be a spoiler the rest of the way. I would agree with that. I, Buffalo, yeah, I, I think Fort Defiance has more to lose in this mm-hmm. game because, you know, yes, yeah, sure, you want to win the district, and, and we look at the Shenandoah. We still talk about the Shenandoah district and district championships, but ultimately it's get to the postseason and do well. And right now, if you look at Region 3C, Fort's down the list. I, I think they were around eighth or – I don't have it right for me – eighth or ninth in that Region 3C. So a loss to Buffalo Gap is going – to hurt them gap yeah they lose the fourth there's still time to bounce back like we said they got that riverheads game that's huge and they're they're gonna still make the playoffs it works like unless the the, the bottom really falls out for the bison they're gonna still make the playoffs but you know for defiance i feel so bad for that program because you look at back at a couple of years ago they were set to really compete in in region 3c um, when when they had Shoemaker and they had Cook, um, they had they had three players who had either signed or committed to D one programs, and they were looking really good. And then COVID hit, yeah, and that spring was gone. And then the next year, Shoemaker was hurt and did not play, um, and so that you know that, that whole that having all those D one players. And having the chance to really make a run in the postseason, which I know that coaching staff is excited about, never came together for that Fort Defiance team. And now, you, you know, Shoemaker's gone, Cook's gone. Uh, they they just they are they kind of lost that window. They they had that window where they could really do a lot of stuff, and there was a lot of excitement around that Fort baseball team. And that that window is closed now. And and you're right. Now they're just kind of fighting for a playoff berth. And I think that gap game is huge for them. They've, they've got to get a win there and, and build some, some momentum. And, and, and if they can do that, then I think things are okay. But if they lose the gap there, there could be, there's a lot of baseball left to play, but there could be some trouble. Moving on to softball Fort defiance is having the opposite situation there. They are absolutely running away with this thing. It would appear. They will not lose in the, in the regular season. It, Softball's quirky. I understand, you know, somebody gets hot, a pitcher gets hot, a hitter gets hot, things can happen. But, man, I looked at that schedule for the rest of the way. They're obviously going to be favored in every game. I don't know if they lose in the regular season. I agree, Patrick. They just – because it was an 8-3 win against Stewart Straft, who's the team that you look at and go, okay, maybe this team will hang with them. And then Fort goes out and beats them by five, and you're like, okay, maybe not. And, and Barry played really well in that game. She has been a phenomenal athlete at Fort Defiance, and she's just taking it over to the diamond now in the spring. And Todd Wood right now, I I think you're right. Maybe, maybe they lose a game, but there's no way they don't win the district this year. And they aren't one of the best teams in 3C going into that tournament. I agree. I I think, you know, Lillian Berry is is the real deal. If you didn't know that already, right? I mean, you should have. If you follow softball, (laughs) you've known how good she is. For a while, obviously, she committed. To, yeah, she committed to Oregon State. Then she uh, she backed out of that. But then now she's at Penn, she's going to Penn State to play softball. So she is a real talent. Um, and and but they also have uh, Kirby Ransom. Um, 
obviously a, a very good basketball player, maybe the best basketball player in the Shenandoah district, but she's a heck of a softball player too. Uh, those two teamed up on the basketball court and did really well. And now, and now they're doing that in softball. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but you look at Fort Defiance and, and their, their girls uh, sports programs have been amazing. I mean, volleyball was really good. And then the basketball team made that run um, and looked really good. And now you've got softball and you've got soccer. It's really, really got a great group of female athletes coming through that school right now. And on this softball team, you know, I, I think they have every right to think that they can make a deep, deep run in the postseason. Three C's, not easy. They're going to run against some, some really good teams the deeper they get, but I think they can make a pretty good run. Uh, you're exactly right. And, you know, speaking of girls soccer, we'll go ahead and move there. Big game this week is Waynesboro at Fort because those are the two teams right now that haven't lost in the Shenandoah district. Both are six and one. And Waynesboro's girls team has played really well. But as you mentioned, Fort's girls soccer team has been phenomenal so far. So this is this is kind of an early clash between these two to see who's going to have that inside track to a, a higher seed in that three C tournament and the Shenandoah district championship. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great, a great matchup. Uh, Fort is so good. Ellie Cook um, is is obviously stronger than James Madison. She's the, a, a great player. We all know about her. But but keep your eye on Adriana Shields. Um, she she's had some really good games. She's had some games where she scored uh, goals, but she's also assisted on a lot of those Ellie Cook goals. Um, and I think she's been to me, you know, she's a great athlete too. I watched her in basketball and thought she she was kind of um, underrated. I, th- I thought she played really good. It was a big part of that basketball team that not a lot of people paid attention to. Um, kind of the same thing in, in soccer. I think she's doing a really great job. Um, Emma Staley's also a good player out there. I, I just I like that fourth soccer team, but but that, that Waynesboro game will be a lot of fun. And going to the boys' side, uh, Stanton Wilson. That one is on April 22nd. That's going to be big. Uh, And honestly, I mean, when you look at it, that's also Thursday. So on the boys' side, you've got Stanton Wilson. On the girls' side, you've got Fort Waynesboro. Thursday is going to be a phenomenal day for soccer in the area because both of those, as I mentioned, determine inside tracks, higher seeds, all that for 3C. As you mentioned, Shenandoah District matters to us. And it matters to the kids in the school a little bit because it's your local rivals and, you know, you know the other kids on the other team. But in terms of that, your ultimate goal of doing well in the region tournament, you want that higher seed. These matches will go a long way in giving somebody an advantage. No, you're right. I, I, I think that's going to be great. I mean, that's two of the, the, the boys programs that have been so good for so long, especially that Stanton mm-hmm. program. You know, you wonder now them moving up to three, uh, to, to class classification three and, and in region three, see how that's going to affect that team because they were so dominant at, at a lower level. Um, but, you know, I, I, I love what Stanton soccer has done over over the last few years. And yeah, I, thir- you're right. If you're a soccer fan Thursday night, you can't be at both places. Though, so, But uh, <laughs> pick one or the other because either game, either one of those games is going to be fantastic. Yes, I mean, it's going to be great soccer. Um, we'll talk some more soccer here in a minute, maybe. Um, but I tell you, it's been – I think that the folks in this area have been treated. We always talk about Riverheads football, and you're right. I mean, just the the dominance 
it's not quite the same, but Stanton soccer has been that kind of level in this area. They've made deep runs year after year. Wilson last year was the team that finally got over their rival Stanton, knocked them off. They're hoping to do it again this year, but man, that has been some great soccer that this area has been treated to the last few years. In that that run, I mean, you look at a, a, when Stanton won the state championship and the year before that, and um, those those two years were maybe two of the great years in in, in a sports team's history. And you're right. It, you can't compare everything against Riverhead's football because ultimately it's going to probably fail right. <laughs> in comparison to Riverhead's football. But if you remember that Stanton team, uh, the year they lost the state champion or lost in the, I think they lost in the state semifinals mm-hmm. or something that year. Um, they, they destroyed everybody they played in the regular season. And, and they were, they were scoring, they were playing great defense. And then the next year they weren't quite as dominant, but that's the year they were able to kind of win the state championship. I think that was just like a great two year run by that program. Um, and they've been solid other years too, but, but you look back on those two years, uh, it, it was a treat. I, I was, I had a chance to kind of watch them a lot in that, in that stretch. And it was just a, a trip. I, I like soccer. I'm not going to tell you I'm a huge soccer fan, but that was some of the most fun I had watching a high school sport that, that two year stretch by that Stanton team. Moving on to the college ranks here really quickly. Uh, Leland wanted to make sure we touched on Virginia tech softball. They beat UVA, which I'm sure he wanted to let everyone from UVA know they won 5-1, lost 3-5, but then won 5-4 in extras to win that series. They played Tennessee in the middle of the week, which will be big, and then Louisville. But Virginia Tech baseball, I did talk to him. Him and I discussed this over the weekend. Virginia Tech baseball took out number two Miami in kind of deciding fashion those first two games. They ended up losing the third game, but they win two out of three against Miami, win that series. That team is playing really well. They've got VMI and Radford before going to Boston College. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think those are, are big ones. Going back to, to softball, I, I, you know, I think it's great that they Virginia Tech's ranked high, and I think they could have a, a similar run to maybe what JMU did last year. Probably not with the same attention that JMU got, just because right. just everything came together last year for JMU. But I think Virginia Tech could have a good run, but it's so tough for an ACC team to win a softball. And 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 let's face it, nobody's winning a softball state a, a softball national championship this year not named Oklahoma. I, Oklahoma's just rolling everybody they play. But Virginia Tech, to be number, what, number three in the mm-hmm. nation, uh, to be winning the kind of games they are, great great for them, great for that program. And then, you're right, to have baseball also ranked and have that coming off that big win over Miami, if you're a spring sports fan right now uh, in Blacksburg, you got to be really happy with with what's happening there between between those two sports, and then of course you had this the, the, the spring uh, football game, and so everybody's excited about football now. So good good spring for uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah, Virginia it's been Tech. a good run. I mean, the spring sports are doing well. The men's basketball program, despite that hellacious start, <laughs> ends up winning the ACC tournament, getting into the NCAA tournament. The women's team did well in their conference tournament, got into the NCAA tournament. Um, and they're going to be really good next year. Yes. I, I mean, I, you know, I think that Virginia Tech women's basketball team will be really good. Uh, Kenny Brooks is, is doing a, a phenomenal job with, with that program. I think they'll be really good next year. Um, and I, as you I, mentioned, I kind of like. Yeah, as you mentioned with the spring game, too. I mean, it's just 
it's the right feels. I I watched it was on the TV. I didn't pay too much attention to it because it's a spring game, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you well, should you should not pay attention to spring football. I, I cannot I mean, tell. Can a bit. Yeah, I, I can't tell if our offense is good or if our defense is good. Like I don't know. Like. But it all depends. I mean, how do they split the players up mm-hmm. and, and who's uh, – yeah, I don't – I think it does something. It gets the fans excited. People love football, and so it's something for the fans, but ultimately it doesn't really do anything. I don't think you can tell anything out of that. Uh, you know, they had a couple of quarter – there are two quarterbacks who are in the running. There are two uh, transfers that came in. You know, they, they both played – well, I guess, yeah. you know, but again, you know, as you said, how do you judge that? How do you judge who they're playing against? So I, I don't know. Spring football's never been something I've been a big fan of, but obviously if, if you have a good football program, if you're an SEC fan, you, you love spring football. I want to talk about the North Carolina runs now that we have a chance to have you on after it's over. It was a heck of a run for them. They end up knocking out – they. And what a season it was, right? Because you uh, beat Duke, yeah, you beat Duke season. the last game season. at Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you ruined Coach K's Cameron indoor finale. <laughs> then you get him in the Final Four, and you beat him in the Final Four to end that. That, I feel like, in itself, was enough. You were up big at halftime, and maybe at that point you start believing. I know you talked about they've given you hope, and then Kansas comes back and ends up winning. But – Still a phenomenal run with that team that did not look like that at all going into the tournament. This is a team that that lost and lost ugly at a couple of points this season. And they had a bad loss even late in that in the season of Pittsburgh. And they just did not look like they were going to come together. You know, you, you thought maybe if they could put a few wins together, maybe they could sneak into the NCAA tournament. But but even late in the season, you were thinking NIT is probably more likely for them. And then to, to beat Duke in Cameron, that I think most Carolina fans were happy with that. At the end. It just been an up and down season, more down than up, but ending Coach K's home career, sending him that whole big celebration, sending him out and sending their fans away upset. I think Carolina fans would have just said, that's enough. That is enough. That's enough to call this a successful season. And then to get, I didn't want to play Duke again. as a Carolina <laughs> fan. I did not want to play Duke again. Like I was not happy that Virginia Tech beat Carolina in the ACC tournament, but in a way, I was like, okay, I'll take that because at that point, you knew Carolina was having an NCAA broke. We weren't going to have to play Duke in the ACC championship and and possibly lose that game, which I don't know. It's still you still had the win over Coach K in the last game at Cameron, but I think that would have uh, taken a little sting out of it for some of the Duke fans to to beat Carolina for the ACC championship. And then when the Final Four came around, I did not want that. I did not want that. In fact, I read a lot of papers out of North Carolina and a lot of stuff on the, on the internet and Twitter. And no, I don't think Duke fans didn't want that. Carolina fans didn't want that. Nobody, nobody wanted that because you knew you were coming back from that loss. And so I kind of felt like, you know, well, everything had gone so well there at the end of the season for Carolina. Not 
as a hammer, we and the only time these programs have ever met in the final four. So it was uh, it was interesting uh, to uh, to to say the least. But hey, uh, it, it to win that game was to win that game in the final four is probably the greatest victory North Carolina's ever had. You know, I know they've got national championships. So, so it kind of sounds weird to say that, right? I mean, the, the Georgetown national championship, Dean Smith's first, that's got to be ranked up there. And then Roy Williams, when he returns to North Carolina and leads that team to, to a national championship in 2005, that's got to be up there, but, but you know, I'm not sure there's a game that, that ranks higher than beating Duke in the final four. And that's why I didn't care about the Kansas game, really. I Honestly, if, if Carolina had gone in there and got the doors blown off, I'd have been okay with that. Um, I, I think the worst part was that Carolina was up 15 yeah. at halftime, and I thought they were going to win that game, and then they couldn't put it together. That was a little disappointing, but still, ultimately a fun run, great team, and now, now the question is, can Hubert do it again? Can Hubert – they're not going to come in next season under the radar. They're not going to going to have that that season where you're not you know an eight seed in the NCAA tournament and and have to make the surprise run. Everybody's going to be expecting them, especially if Caleb Love decides to come back. Everybody's going to have them winning a national championship, playing in a Final Four at least. Um, and so we'll see how Hubert can do with the pressure. Um, not, not that there's not not pressure taking over Roy Williams anyway, right. but now he's going to have the pressure of expectations to to win a to, to win a national championship next year, and it'll be curious to see how he handles that. Well, and they've got Baycott coming back, so that's going to help. And that's a that was a big announcement when he said he was coming back. I was like, wow, okay, like <laughs> that's kind of a big deal. It is. I have a question for you. I mean, it kind of take you take it off topic just a little bit, but staying with Baycott, I'm curious how you feel about this because I, I know it's just fans being fans and Carolina fans would have done the exact same thing if this was due, but Baycott announces he's coming back. Carolina fans are obviously very happy with that news. I mean, here's the double, double guy coming back and, and he's only going to be better next year. You would but the Duke fans then said, here's, you know, a, a guy that came in that was expected to be a one and done. Some people thought, you know, freshman season at Carolina, then he's going to the NBA and here he is coming back for year four. <laughs> you can't be happy with that, right? I mean, he's he's not he hasn't lived up to his expectations as far as an NBA. So my question to you is: as a college basketball fan, shouldn't we just enjoy him in college? Shouldn't yeah. we just enjoy the fact that he's he's having a great college career? Kind of like you go back to Tyler Hansborough. I mean, a great college player. The time he was there as Carolina fan, I loved that run. The fact that he never amounted to, to much in the NBA, I, it doesn't really bother me. I mean, I'd much rather have a, a, a Baycott coming back for another year, making a, a helping Carolina make a run at a national championship than all of these Duke players who come in and are one and done. Right? They they come in for a year, they don't get Duke a national championship, and then they're gone. And you can call them Duke players, but they're only Duke players because they had to go to college for a year, and and they did. And it's just it's interesting how fans react to that. And again, I know it's just the Duke Carolina rivalry, and it's just Duke fans being Duke fans. But I saw a lot of that on the internet where they said, "Oh, you're happy that this guy failed as an as an NBA prospect." 
Yeah. I, yes, I am. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. As a college basketball fan, good. I'm glad he's back. I don't care about the NBA stuff. Because as you said, I was getting ready to use Kentucky as an example. There are so many of those players from Kentucky that go into the NBA and then have pretty good, pretty successful NBA careers for the most part. But I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess they did go to Kentucky. Like, I don't know, but I don't associate them with Kentucky. Like and and so like Zion is a perfect example. I don't really associate with him with Duke. I, I know he went there, but who cares? Like he was there for a cup of coffee. Now he's in the NBA and he's trying to have a successful career in the NBA. But Injuries are his biggest problem right now, but I just, yeah, for me as a college basketball fan, I am way more invested. Like Justin Mutz declared for the draft, and I'm hoping he decides against that while he still has eligibility as an agent or anything, and then comes back to Virginia Tech. Not because I don't want Justin Mutz to eventually have a great NBA career, but because right now I'm a Virginia Tech fan, and selfishly, I want Virginia Tech to be good, and that means he comes back. And, you know, we... I know you listen to Levitar, too, and they kind of talked about this. It's just the different age in college basketball where these guys, the really, really good ones, are there for a year, and then they're gone, and they go to the pros, and the guys who stay around maybe aren't the best pros, but I think you saw that with North Carolina. It's not a bunch of one-and-dones. They kind of had the senior leadership kind of carry them a little bit this year, and I think when you look at some of these programs, that the more successful ones, not always, but some of the more successful teams that go on these unexpected runs are because they're bringing people back. UCLA, who had that great run last year, they brought a lot of players back. They had a pretty good run this year, too. And, and so it's another example of like, hey, sometimes if you're a college coach and you're not going to get like the top 10 guys in the country to come to your school, you're damn right I want a kid that I think is going to be there for four years and will improve each year and help my program. So maybe by the time I have a bunch of juniors and seniors, I can make that run to the final four. Yeah. I, you know, if, if I'm a program that gets a bunch of one and dones, maybe it's different if I'm winning a national championship every other year or something like that with the one and dones, then maybe I can take that. But if Duke has not won a national championship since 2015, I think. Yeah. Is that right? I mean, so so you've got all these players who you don't really build any kind of connection with if you're a fan of, of Duke. They come in for a year, then they're gone. You're not winning national championships with them. What? What's the point? And, and, and let me let me ask you, I, I, for them, for the players, yeah, go get your money. I, I have no problem with the players coming in and going and getting money. They should do that. But as a college basketball fan, no, what's the point of having a one and done if I'm not going to win national championships with it? So, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that Baycott's coming back. Part of, part of the problem is just the NBA, right? He, he's not – the way the NBA's played today, he doesn't really have a place. Mm-hmm. There, he's, not, he's not quite big enough to be a, a huge man in the middle, right? He's going to go in the NBA, and he's not going to have, be able to dominate boards the way he does college. Um, he doesn't really have much of an outside game. He shoot a little bit, but not much. And so he's, I don't know where there's a place for him really in the NBA. So hey, come back for another year, see what happens. And, and then maybe hopefully you have another great year. Somebody takes a flyer on you in the NBA and, and you stick around for a few years, make, make some money and, and, and you have a, you know, have a successful, uh, a successful career even if you're you're not a star, he's never going to be a star in the NBA, probably. But 
hey, come Be back. Bench player, if he wins a national player. championship and if he if he comes back and leads this team to a national championship, he's always always got a place in in Chapel Hill. Yeah, there's <laughs> always a car place. dealership. Yep, <laughs> there's always a car dealership or a real estate. Yeah, there's always a real estate <laughs> yeah, license. Yeah, because I mean, around. if you're the player that helped them beat Duke twice in Coach K's final year and get to the national championship, and then you come back and win a national championship. Yeah, it, it's kind of like Hansborough. I'm pretty sure that that he can do anything he wants to do in Chapel Hill right now, and and nobody cares that he he never he just bounced around the NBA and yeah. heck, I'm not even sure is he still in the NBA? I, I, Maybe I who knows? The roster. Yeah, yeah, I don't so. know. But and I just I agree with you. That's the difference between fans who are like casual college fans and fans who like their primary team is college. And, and like so for me, like I I watch the NFL. I'm way more attached to Virginia Tech than I ever will be the Baltimore Ravens. Like, I'm never going to be a Baltimore Raven. I didn't go to Virginia Tech, but I've been to that school plenty of times. My entire family, half of the family, went to Virginia Tech. Like, so my entire mom's side of the family went to Virginia Tech. So I, I'm like, I've been living and breathing Virginia Tech football for as long as I can remember. I'm going to have that attachment. So I am way more invested in Virginia Tech and the outcome of those kids when they're there than now. When they go to the pros, if they have success, it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, I remember when he was at Virginia Tech. But if they don't, I'm like, I'm not sitting there going, man, why don't we have NFL players succeed? Like, it's just a thing. And so for, like, college basketball, JMU's never going to have a pro prospect. But I went to JMU, and so I kind of follow the team. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And, and the same with Virginia Tech and basketball, too. Like, I follow the team. It, am I devastated that Eric Green didn't exactly pan out? No. But Eric Green went to the same town I grew up in the same town I did, went to a rival high school, then played at Virginia Tech, lit it up at Virginia Tech, and then ended up getting some pro experience. But, yeah, I, I'm way more invested in his in the years they're actually at the school and what happens with that team versus – what pro prospect they become. And I, when college fans, it's definitely sour grapes from Duke fans, in my opinion. Like, oh, okay, are you, are you recruiting the next kid in the door? No? Okay, then you don't actually care. It's just something that you can say to try to poo-poo on North Carolina's parade. Yeah, I, it's, it's weird. I, you know, you, you bring up that. In basketball, I've always been just a, a Carolina fan. Since, since I was a kid, I mean, I'm so old. But but Phil Ford was my first favorite Carolina player, right? I mean, I, I was born in North Carolina. I um, I don't remember living in North Carolina, but I was born there, and, and so I've always been this Carolina fan. So there's just some attachment to me with with Carolina basketball that I'll never have. I've rooted for the Washington Bullets slash Washington Wizards all you know ever since I've kind of been watching NBA, but. I'll never have that attachment to that team. And, and part of it could be the success. I understand that. North Carolina basketball has been so successful over the career. The, <laughs> the Bullets have never been successful since the late 70s. So maybe that's part of it. But, but yeah, I, I just have that attachment to Carolina basketball that I'll never have to an NBA franchise. I love the NBA, but I'll never have that attachment to an NBA franchise that I do to Carolina basketball. Well, I will talk more in depth about a certain baseball team at the end of this podcast, but I want to get the big baseball story from the first kind of week of the season. Clayton Kershaw throwing seven perfect innings and then getting pulled <laughs> with 80 pitches through seven innings. I what hated it. I don't know what, what you are we thought. What do we do? I mean, 
I look, I understand that it was a short spring. I understand that Kershaw has had an injury history. You've got to protect. He he is the, the franchise. I, they've got so much talent out there, but he is the guy that people come to see. You want to see Clayton Kershaw pitch. I understand, but my gosh, don't you? If you're you want to see a no, you want to see a perfect game. It's not a no hitter. No hitters are great. No hitters are fun, but they they get done with pretty you know pretty regularly during a, a major league season. You're going to see some no hitters. Perfect game, no. And I, I do not understand that. I, I I just I don't understand it. I don't, I don't agree with it. It's it's one of the reasons that baseball is just suffering. I think when it comes to fans, is because of stuff like that. There's so many things you can point to, but oh, yeah. something like that. And my guess, if, if you go to Twitter and you say Clayton Kershaw is pitching a perfect game, perfect game, and you want to, okay, I'm going to find that and I'm going to watch it. And then by the time you turn it on, he's pulled. <laughs> you, may, you may not turn in for another Dodger game the rest of the season, you know, if you're just a casual fan. So it, it's crazy. I, I don't know what they were thinking, but. I'm I'm with you. I, I, yeah, I, hate it. I just I, and I'm with you 100. percent If it had been just a regular no hitter, okay, I get it, right? Like Clayton Kershaw is gonna have another opportunity for a no hitter probably in his career. Perfect game, probably not. Like that's probably it. That's that's probably it because we haven't had one in a while. There's only been 23 in the history of the sport. Like it's a sport that's lasted for over 100 years. You've only had 23. Period. So I, I just I it's. It was infuriating when he's like, well, you know, this is what we came into, you know, before the game. We said this is his pitch count. And I'm like, read the room, dude. Like, it's a perfect game. He's only thrown 80 pitches. Like, maybe just let it. You're up 7 nothing. Even, let's say, because it's not even like it's a perfect game, yes, but he's at his pitch count. It was a short spring, and it's a one nothing ball game. No, you're up 7 nothing. You are going to house this team. Even if the hitter becomes Lucky McLuckerston and hits a fastball 450 feet, it's 7-1, to one, and then you can go get him. But, uh, yeah, perfect game. Until he walks somebody or there's an error, leave him in the game. Yeah, and, and I understand. If, he, if you leave him in the game and he gets injured, you know, that's just that's, that's just. Rotten. I don't think anyone's what? blaming him, though. Like, no, because they're going to be like, would... you're going for the perfect game. I get it. Yes. Like, <laughs> Nobody would. Kershaw would not have blamed him. Nobody yeah. would have blamed him. I just, uh, yeah, I, I think that's one of the many problems Major League Baseball has right now in connecting with fans. Um, and and I just, I, I didn't understand it, and I, I was dis, I was very disappointed in that. Just from the standpoint of when you have that chance to do something to make a name for baseball, to get, heck, get baseball in in the spotlight, right? It's early season. Nobody, none, nobody's talking about baseball unless you're a hardcore baseball fan. Mm-hmm, right. you, you've got, you, you know, the college basketball season just ended. You've got the NBA playoffs about ready to start that. Everybody's focusing on that. Um, and, and if you get FA cup semifinals, then yeah. <laughs> what was that? FA cup semifinals over in England. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Uh, crazy, but it, it, it is what it is, I guess. And uh, and and if the Dodgers win the World Series this year, then you know I don't know uh, if 
They won't. I put a feature on them. I made sure. So, um, talking about the NBA, though, the playoffs, you mentioned the NBA playoffs starting. They have started. We're still very early in the round ones there. Um, I, man, that Boston-Brooklyn game was something, though. That went right down to the wire, and that's one of those two versus sevens that just isn't your traditional two versus seven. No. I mean, circumstances obviously led to Brooklyn being a seventh seed. Um, and it's, you know, I don't know. It may be, I, I'd look back through history, but that's got to be the best one. It's definitely one of, if not the best, first round NBA playoff game at series ever. Um, and, and that game, it, it lived up to its hype on Sunday afternoon. Um, I had told my, my wife, I said, you know, I, I want to watch some of this NBA playoffs, but like the one game I want to see is 3.30 on, on Sunday. I want to be, make sure we're home. I want to watch that game. And it lived up to the hype. It was like everything you want in a basketball game. Lead changes back and forth. Kyrie Irving, the villain. I mean, my gosh, <laughs> so much fun to watch. Now, my question on that is those two teams – You've got to think this is going seven games. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we'd all be surprised if that doesn't go seven games. Can the winner of that series, they have to then go play Milwaukee. Can they Can they sustain? I just got to feel like if you win this series, you're going to be so emotionally, so physically spent. And then you got to beat the defending champs. I don't know. I don't know if they can, can pull that off. I, I like Boston. I like Brooklyn. I think both of them have uh, a, a, could be a legitimate NBA champion, but I'm just not sure if they can survive this series and then go and do it again against the Milwaukee team. I think you're right. I think Milwaukee probably beats whoever comes out of this, not because necessarily I think Milwaukee's the better team, but because these two teams are going to have to spend so much energy in just getting past each other. Um, on the West, I don't know what you made of how things are going out there, but it was to me interesting that you had Utah Dallas and that four or five is really interesting to me because even though I know Phoenix is the one in the West and I'm supposed to be blown away by Phoenix, I just, and I know they made it to the finals last year. I do. I, I do remember that. I, it was a great series with them in Milwaukee, but I don't think they're coming out of the West this year. I just don't think they're going to do it. I I like Golden State more. I I think the winner of this Dallas Utah series is going to give them a run. Like I think this has the potential to be one of those series where the team that comes out of this one, it's also going to be a lot, but they're also going to give the Suns a little bit of trouble. I think if Dallas can be healthy, I think if they can come out, they can yeah, they do need Luca back. Yeah, yeah, they 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 need him back. If they can get him back and and I think they could get Phoenix a run. Um, I'm with you. Golden State, to me, is the team that can come out of the West because they appear to be healthy now, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Clay is finally – I think he's back to, to being Clay, and, and Steph looks like he's getting back there. So if he's healthy, I mean, they, they've got you know, Wiggins this year. He's had his best, his best NBA season yet. He's played really well this year. My gosh, if they get anything close to what Jordan Poole gave them in, in, in game one, and I think this Golden State team's almost, not quite, but almost back to where 
that Golden State franchise was when they were dominating the NBA for what a four or five year stretch. And I, I know they didn't win the NBA championship every one of those years, but there's no denying that for that stretch, they were the most exciting team in the NBA and probably the best team in the NBA. Um, and I think they're almost back to their side. I, I know Phoenix is the number one seed. I'm with you. They, they've got some talent on there, but I I like Golden State, and if, if they can continue to play like they did, it's one game. One game, I know that, but if they can continue to play like that, I don't think anybody in the West beats Golden State um, I, in a, in a seven-game series. I tend to agree, and like you, I think Milwaukee probably comes out of the East just because, and I know you listen to Levitar a lot too, uh, I'm a, the Heat I, are I, really – I will say this. I told you Milwaukee – is going to beat the Brooklyn Boston winner. I did not say they're coming out. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Are you taking the heat? <laughs> Maybe it is because I'm too much of a levitar. Maybe I've been indoctrinated by by heat fandom, but I I like the heat team. I know the number. You know, I I realize they've had been, had a kind of an up and down season, but the number the number one seed, and I think they can beat Milwaukee. Forget what happened last year in that series between Milwaukee and Miami. That's a year ago. Um, I, I think that they – I think Bam is, is a good enough defensive player to, to not shut down Giannis, but at least keep him in check. Um, I, I think, you know, with, with, with Butler, with Lowry, I, I think they've got some offensive weapons. Tyler Hero coming off the bench. I, I really like this Miami Heat team, and – they don't have a nearly as difficult a path to the Eastern Conference Finals as Milwaukee. Milwaukee's going to have to, even though I think they'll beat the Boston Brooklyn winner. That's going to be a tough series. Whoever they play, it's still going to be a tough series. For for Miami, Atlanta, eh, Atlanta's right. not going to give them anything, right? I, I mean, I just don't see Atlanta really making much of a series out of this. And honestly, I, I don't buy into the Sixers or the Raptors, whoever comes out of that. I don't think either one of those teams really can get Miami. But so I think Miami is going to coast into the Eastern Conference Final, and they may even be able to rest some, whereas, you know, they, they may even be sitting there waiting for the Milwaukee whoever winner. And so I have the home court advantage. I, I, I know you don't bet against the defending NBA champs, but – I, I like Miami, and I, I think they I, – I said before the playoffs started, Miami, Golden State, for the NBA championship. Wow. I'll stick by that. A, a weekend into the NBA playoffs, I'll stick by that. Okay. That would be exciting. Um, and But like you, I listen to Levitard a lot, and I also listen when Dan says this team doesn't have a clutch finisher. And so I think when those games get close, that's what's going to be the difference, is they don't have that clutch finisher. They don't, but – I don't know. I just think maybe this is Jimmy Butler's year. I really, really think maybe Butler. He's crazy. Is the one that... I, he is insane. I don't know. I think he might blow it up by accident. <laughs> and, and Tyler Hero, come on. He, you know, there were there were rumors at one point that the Wizards might be trying to trade for Hero, and I was like, come on, please, yeah, please, that would be one of the best players in the Wizards have had since you know a healthy. John Wall was, was there. Oh, that was a long time I, ago. I them to get him, but I, I don't know. I, I like this Miami team. But yeah, maybe maybe I have just been sucked in by listening to, to too much of, uh, of Mike Ryan. Mike and, Ryan. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But but it, it, obviously, if Milwaukee makes it, that's not going to surprise anybody. Yeah. Right? 
But right now, I, just, I want to be on record. I had Golden State, Miami, NBA championship. I'm sticking. Okay, I've got Milwaukee, Golden State, and I, I said that at the beginning last week before the playoffs started, so I'm going to stick with that for now. But um, I want to talk to you about, now that we're going to get into the D block here and start to wrap things up, let's talk Disney. I didn't watch a Disney movie this weekend. I had a lot going on. Um, but I do want to talk to you about something the last time we had you on, we touched on. Disney songs. And what makes the Disney songs, and what are the songs that you remember? And for me, the songs almost make the movie. And so, like, especially when it's close on movies. Like, my Disney uh, list from, uh, let me find it, from last week was back and forth a little bit. And then I thought about it, and I was like, okay, I'll put this one ahead. But... Um, usually when I'm in that back and forth with Hercules, I think it was, and Tangled, that's, that is what it was. Um, yeah. I, I liked the Tangled at last I see the light song and I liked the music in Tangled a little more than I liked the music in Hercules. So that gave it the difference, even though in my mind, like the stories, they're pretty similar in how I thought they were told and, and the job they did. Um, I, I haven't rewatched my favorite Disney movie coming into this making of this list yet but lion king i love the music in that be prepared awesome song circle of life great can't get enough of it like just so many good songs can't wait to be king oh um i i would say yeah i'm i'm torn i really like lion king music and it, it may overall be the best music from from movie, if you, if you put everything together, mm-hmm. um, although I like the stuff from The Little Mermaid too. I'm a, I'm a huge oh. fan of The Little Mermaid and all of that that music. Um, you know, part of, part of your world is is one of my favorite songs, and so so I really think and The Little Mermaid was a great movie. I thought it, it not maybe not my favorite Disney movie ever, but but one of. But I love that music um I'm, I'm thinking that we were talking these are classic disney movies the pixar movies haven't had that kind of great movie other than toy story right? I, I mean toy stories had has some great music but you don't see the type of music in the pixar movies as you do in the traditional disney movies would you agree with that i would no it's 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 something that i think maybe pixar purposely does like they don't really have musicals like the Disney animated classics do. And um, yeah, because when you think about it, Toy Story, like you've got a friend in me, but that's not really a Toy Story song necessarily. It's just Randy Newman wrote a song and they played <laughs> yeah, it in Toy yeah. Story. Like, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Up doesn't really have any other than like the theme song, but. No, I mean, there's a little bit. Yeah, you're right. There's a there's a little here and there, but they're not really. You don't really hear that. They're more scores in. than than musical numbers. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But, but yeah, I I think um, you're right. If if there's a movies, if there's two movies that I'm I'm debating between, yeah, certainly the, the music is gonna gonna probably be the deciding factor in that. Um, you know, Beauty and the Beast is another one that comes to mind. Oh, that has some yes. excellent music. <laughs> really really like the music from uh from from beauty and the beast um you know uh 
be our guest. Obviously, everybody knows, but you know, I'm kind of thinking like Gaston. I, I mean, that that song. I, I mean, they really there's a really lot of good stuff in in Beauty and the Beast. Um, Frozen. You, you know, um, you look at Frozen, and there are people that hate that movie, or maybe just strongly dislike it, and other people who love it. But I think ultimately, what makes that movie is is the music. Um, mm-hmm. It just has such good music um, that you know I would I would listen to just <laughs> just hear the music. And so sometimes I think I wonder if sometimes a, mu- a movie is not as good but the music can kind of make up for it um, because I, I, I think, you know, like I said, I, I like Frozen. I think it's a good movie, but I've heard plenty of, of Disney fanatics who aren't crazy about Frozen. Um, but I think ultimately for me, the music makes that movie. I was going to say, I'm one. I, I don't really, I'm not a huge fan of Frozen. It's not mm-hmm. the worst Disney movie ever made, but it's just not one of my favorites. I do think Let It Go is, I mean, it, the problem for that song for me is I heard it a million times. Yeah, that's but, it. <laughs> it was played over and over yeah. and over. Outside that of that, like, that's no fault of yeah. their own for writing a catchy tune. Um, but it does help. Little Mermaid's one for me. You mentioned how much you love that movie. I don't love that movie. And really? eventually I will rewatch that, so I'll save why for that. But the music in it does help me like it more than I think I would if it wasn't for the music. Like if it didn't have the music, I'd hate it. Like there's no way little mermaid could be a Pixar movie for me where it's just like scores. I would be like, Oh, get this out. But, um, Aladdin is another one that I do wonder, like when I was rewatching it, I was like, I like Aladdin. The story's fine, but I would say the story is just fine. Like it's not a great, I don't think they do a great job telling the story. But the music in there is phenomenal. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. and so for me, that's why it's so high. Friend Like Me. Friend Like Me is one, mm-hmm. of, the, one of the best Disney music. I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. That. I'm not a, I like Aladdin, okay, but I'm not a huge Aladdin fan. But the music is, is phenomenal. You look at some of the more recent movies, too, like, like Moana. Um, I, I think there's some really good music in. See, in I think that. I think the music is good. I think the story in that is downright terrible. Really, I liked it. I kind of liked it. I did but not again, like maybe it. maybe the music sucks me in, and maybe I don't pay as much attention. Maybe that's what they're hoping for too. Yeah, you, know? you listen to the music, you don't pay as much attention. But Encanto's another. I mean, they've they've had they've won awards with the music in that, and like that is. I also thought that was a great movie. So. Uh, but yeah, that's another one where the music was pretty good in it. And I was like, okay, like it's nice to see Disney starting to crank out some hits again and not rely solely on the Pixar wing of the, of the film studios. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with, with that. Um, but man, you know, I, I would have to, it would take me a while if I had to come up with like a top 10 Disney music, uh, list of, of, of songs from movies my top 10. It would take me a little bit to do that, but, um, well, and see like so many good ones. Right. And, and in mine, like, like I said, when I've been rewatching, I watch, I watch, I rank the movies and then I'll pick my favorite song from those movies. So Alice in Wonderland <laughs> didn't have any, and it sucked. So it's at the bottom. Coco Leland keeps reminding me of the remember me song, but I don't really remember it. So obviously it didn't work on me. But, it didn't. It didn't do its job for you, right? Okay. Pollo Loco. I remembered that one, so I was like, okay, that I guess I didn't. The music is fine. It just there were no songs, 
and I like like the mariachi band kind of music that is in that movie. It's just none of the songs in that movie. I was like, I don't think these are good. Um, so it didn't stick with me. Ray and the Last Dragon is one of those Pixar movies we talked about. No songs, but the score in it was pretty good. And the story was great, in my opinion. You know, I'm thinking, like, go back, you know, I know we're talking mostly animated movies, and, and I think that the more current stuff are, well, I say current, but, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, they have some really good music, but they go back to, like, Mary Poppins, um, uh, which I know is not animated, but there's really good music in there. I've you never know, seen like, it. I don't know. Never seen Mary Poppins? Never seen Mary Poppins. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You got to see Mary Poppins. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure Mary Poppins, the, the movie, holds up um, super well. It was, it's good. <laughs> I, I, I saw yeah. it recently. Like, we saw it. I can't remember if it was on TV or maybe like a movie theater. We showed it. But I know my family, we all watched it um, not too long ago. And it's okay. I like the movie itself. The music, I think the music really good in in that. So, you know, I, I know, again, that's not an animated one, but uh, but I do like, I do like that music. Yeah. And, and, you know, Hercules, I think my favorite song that I picked from there was I Won't Say I'm In Love. I thought that was a good song. They have some other good ones, too. Hero to Zero and a lot of other ones. But Tangled, At Last I See the Light. I know you and Leland like the bar song in that one yeah. where they're talking about their dreams. Yeah. Um, Encanto, my favorite was We Don't Talk About Bruno. Um, I think the other popular one there is the Pressure song. Yeah, to me, the Pressure song is probably uh, the one that, that got me the best. But And I'm kind of like you with uh, with um, Frozen. Encanto, in, in uh, We Don't Talk About Bruno, I end up hearing it a whole lot. Yeah. Um, like, like, even on... Uh, God, I hate to admit this in a way, but I, I became addicted to TikTok here in the last oh, wow. I don't know, couple of months. Okay. I, love, I love TikTok. It, it's got really good stuff on it. But there was a whole phase there where they did the uh, We Don't Talk About Bruno uh, thing, and they, they would play that and, and for different different bits on TikTok. And I just I really kind of – I like it, but I really got tired of it after, yeah. after a while. Oh, that's, that's fair. I'm not on TikTok, so I haven't heard it that much. And I don't get on TikTok because it is, it yeah. is super Yeah, super that's what I keep hearing. It's I'm addicted to like the Facebook Instagram reels, which is like after TikToks have been around for a month, they get over there, is what I hear. So like that's enough for me. I never um, thought I would be a TikTok person, but I never I'm I'm old. I don't I mean I'm I love Facebook and I love Twitter. I never thought I would be a TikTok person. And then I, I don't you know what it was? Okay, so there was a commercial for TikTok, which mm-hmm. obviously worked, which had a um, a girl climbing, like, she, I guess she saw a hole or found a hole in her house or whatever, and she was trying to figure out what was back there, and there was a whole other room behind it, right? Do you remember this commercial? I do. And, and, I, and I think it ended up having Martha Stewart in the commercial mm-hmm. at some point, too. Um, and I thought, well, that's, that's an interesting, what happened? I was like, I, I'm just curious as to what she found, and so I went to TikTok, and I found the video, and I watched it. Then I started watching another video, and another video, and and now I'm hooked. And like I try not to do it every night, but I will sit there and scroll. And and there's it's not just dance. You know, a lot of people I think 
I don't know how we got on the TikTok page. It's all my fault. I'm sorry. But we, we everybody criticizes it's all dancing, you know, and, and weird dances. But there's a lot of social justice stuff on there that that I find really interesting. Stuff that's educated me that I've watched and I've been like, yeah, I did not know that, or I, I, I'd like to find that out. And um, there's some funny stuff on there. There's comedians on there. Um, there's a lot of great dog videos uh, on there as well. So, I was going to say, so I, I, I love the. From what I have gathered is basically whatever your interest is, once you let TikTok know that, it will gear the heck out of it to you. Like you can find a lot of different stuff on TikTok. Yeah, I do know it's more than just dances. And like I, I have heard like, oh, yeah, I'm in, you know, like on Levitar, like, oh, I'm in F1 TikTok. And they get like anything F1 related. They're all about it on TikTok now. And that's what the TikToks they get and stuff. So. Um, yep, I will. I will scroll and I will get. It's social justice. It's dog and cat videos, and it's comedians or you know, yeah. either stand up comedians or you know, dad jokes or things like that. So that's I, apparently that's the alg- algorithm that uh, that TikTok has has figured out that I <laughs> that I like because that's what I get. Um, and and my my teenager is like, oh, you're you're watching TikTok and <laughs> cannot stand the fact. <laughs> I'm watching TikTok, but I'm like, yeah, yeah I like TikTok. That's how we make TikTok not cool. We, all <laughs> us old people get on there and then they've got to do something else. But <laughs> one last Disney movie I wanted to talk to you about, because we've already talked yeah, about yeah, my yeah. number one Aladdin, The Princess and the Frog. I loved the music in that. I like Cajun music to begin with. And so that, like a lot of that jazz, Cajun kind of style jazz hit me. Almost There was my favorite in that one, but I have friends on the other side. It's a short song, but it is catchy, and I do love it. I will agree with you. I and not only like the music there, I, I like the movie a lot. Yes, really the story is like good. Movie a lot, um, and and so yeah, I I, I love the music and from that movie, and I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, I, I think you you hit that right on. Um, and I've been to you know they they rethemed parts of Disney World, um, especially right after the movie came out. To, to that um they have a, a riverboat there and they rethemed it to, to to that movie when when it first when the movie first came out and that was a lot of fun you get on there you hear the music you see the characters um that's yeah i that's a movie that gets forgotten i think by some people but i think it's a really good movie and it's really catchy it's a really catchy song all right. Now, to wrap us up, I will talk about the trip to Baltimore I made. It was one of the reasons I had no time uh, to do anything else this weekend uh, because I was stuck in traffic. Uh, I I had the day off Friday. I left about an hour later than I had planned, but still should have had three hours in Baltimore before the game to do whatever we needed to do. Uh, well, three hours took me to Herndon, uh, which was much longer than I had was supposed to take me. And then from Herndon, it's usually a little over an hour to get to Baltimore. It took us two and a half hours to get to Baltimore just because it apparently Friday was drive like an idiot day and get in accidents and just slam on your brakes and cause pandemonium on the road. We finally get to Baltimore, get in the stadium, sit down, have our Chesapeake fries with the crab dip, which are amazing. But watch the game, and I don't know how you I, – I know you're a baseball fan. I don't know how you feel about this particular team, but they were playing the Yankees, and it was 
it was a Friday night. It was 1992 Prices Night, like $4 tickets. So we're in there. We're having a great time watching the game. It's a 1-1 game as you go into the extra innings, and you're just sitting there. You're like, please, 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 please win this game. And you're sitting there, and Araldus Chapman comes in, walks in the winning run for the Orioles in extra innings. That's how the Yankees end up losing, 2-1. to one. It was great. But even better than the Orioles winning was the fact that the Yankees lost. And I think I got more enjoyment out of the Yankees losing than the fact that the Orioles won. Because all, like there's the initial like cheering that the Orioles won from the fans. Like, yeah, we did it. And then the people who were still there, which most of the stadium had already left because it was in the 11th inning. It was like 1130 at night. And for whatever reason, people hate free baseball. I don't know. But... Like for me, I'm a I'm a baseball junkie, so I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh my gosh, what a great deal we've gotten on these tickets. We're getting extra innings on top of it. Wow, it, and it's a great game. Um, the people who are there, still tens of thousands of people, I would say, tens of thousands start chanting "Yankees suck," and when that's ringing around Camden Yards, I just looked at my brother and I was like. Say what you will about Field of Dreams and, you know, how much that really kindles your love for baseball and America and just wholesome things in general. Hearing tens of thousands of people chanting Yankees suck in unison, that did more for me and my faith in humanity than anything else has in recent history. I'm I'm curious. You you mentioned, you know, that you would probably rather see the Yankees lose Baltimore win. Are, are there any other teams that you feel that way about? That's a good question. That you would prefer your favorite team and whatever that sport is, you'd rather see uh, another team lose than your favorite team win. That's part one. Part two, does it does it have to do with the fact that Baltimore has just not been that successful in baseball recently? I, I mean, if Baltimore was a perennial World Series contender, then would that change things? Would you, you you'd be much more into your team and wanting them to win and, and, and make a run, right? Then now you just kind of accepted the fact that they're not, <laughs> they're not going to make the playoffs. Here we are in April. They're, they're probably not going to be a playoff contender. So it's much more fun to watch the Yankees lose than it is to watch. I, I don't know. I, and I'm trying to think that through my head too, if I have teams like that. Um, you know, in the NFL, it's probably – I well, love you, Dallas you touched on Duke. It it was better to <sighs> knock Duke right. out, and then losing in the national championship didn't really matter because you had beaten Duke. That's right. So, but but then I wonder: is it because Carolina beat Duke, or would I have been okay with anybody else beating Duke? I, yeah, but watching Duke lose is great. I, I mean, because their fans are so cocky, right? I mean, their fans are so cocky. It's so much fun to watch them lose. Um. Yeah, yeah, I think I don't know. It's it's weird because Carolina's had so much success in basketball too that but yeah, I love watching them win. But um but yeah, yeah, I kind of look at football. I feel that way with the Dallas Cowboys. I love watching them lose. As a Washington fan, hey, we're not gonna win. Washington's not going to the Super Bowl anytime soon. Um and so the enjoyment I get out of sports is watching Dallas lose and watching their fans suffer. 
Uh, and I kind of get that with, with you as watching the Yankees fans suffer because Yankee fans are so kind. They're insufferable. Yeah, they're the worst yeah. people on the planet. <laughs> like, there's no arguing. But, I mean, it's interesting that you asked that. And when you said, are there any other teams that that applies to, it's hard to answer because for me right now, like I have said on this podcast, and it is the truth, I want to see the Orioles win a World Series in my lifetime. Like, that is, in terms of sports, that's basically the only thing I really, really want, is the Orioles to win a World Series in my lifetime. That being said, when I watch the Yankees and their just monstrous payroll get into the playoffs every year and then find a way to not win the World Series, there is a great amount of joy I take out of that. I... <laughs> The Orioles haven't had a ton of success in in my lifetime, um, especially the parts that I can remember. Um, you know, this this stretch between 2012 and 2016 was kind of the only experience that I've been old enough to be a fan and go to games where they have been good. And so I, 2014, they won the division, got to the ALCS. That was exciting. But then getting swept by the Royals is infuriating. And I still look at that team, and I'm like, I, I look at that roster, and I'm like, how do we lose to this team? This team isn't good. And uh, it's, it's maddening. But I, I do think at the end of the day, if, if someone said the Yankees are going to win a World Series again, but you will see the Orioles win a World Series in your lifetime, I would take it. I'd be like, okay. Now, that being said, I have seen the Ravens win Super Bowls. Been a fan, loved those moments. If someone came up to me and said, you will never see another Ravens Super Bowl in your life, but the Steelers will also never win a Super Bowl in your life, I'd take that. I do not like the Steelers. Most teams from Pittsburgh, I feel that way. The Pirates, I love the Pirates being bad because those people are also Penguins and Steelers fans, and they deserve it. Yeah, like I'm I'm trying to think if there's a team like like if somebody offered me Washington will never win another Super Bowl, but neither will Dallas, would I take that? And I don't think I would because but part of it's because you don't because you don't hold it, grudges. I, I, I hate Dallas. I really do. I hate everything and I've hated them all my life. But you know, football is one of those sports that things can turn around pretty quickly. Like it's, it's the ones for baseball. It takes a while. Like baseball, you've got to build, you've got to have a farm system coming up. You've got to have the young guys. It's going to take a while. And you can kind of see it coming. It, very seldom does a team in baseball, every now and then, but very seldom does a team in baseball really surprise and jump up and win a world series or make a deep run in the playoffs. And you were like, boy, I never saw that coming. Football, it can happen. Like you can get a couple of free agents in the off season you can be the Rams and you know yeah. get, get Matt Stafford and you can win the Super Bowl. So I keep thinking Washington, I don't know if they can get rid of their owner. I keep thinking that maybe, you know, maybe things would turn around and Washington will win a Super Bowl here in the next five years, six years. So I'm not sure I would take that deal with Dallas, but you know, so yeah, that's an interesting thing. I'm not sure. You know, when I take the deal, Carolina will never win a national championship in basketball, but neither will Duke. (laughs) 
now that Coach K is gone, I do wonder if that'll change over time. Because I do think, and I know they talked about this on Levitard, part of it was Coach K and just his smugness. That was also a problem. I would agree with that. I mean, now as much as Duke fans want, Duke fans talk about that great program, but it was it was Coach K. They had some success. I understand before Coach K got there. Um, I think they made. Did they win a national championship? Or they made the national championship. Something before Coach K got there, which so long ago I forget when. But um, but Carolina has had success, sustained success over you know. Frank McGuire got them a national championship. You know, Dean Smith got them a couple of national championships. Roy Williams came in and got them three national championships. And now they're on Hubert Davis. And yeah, it's early. And, and who knows what what his career will be like. But he got a pretty, pretty good start. So they've had success over multiple coaches. Can Duke do that? And so, so yeah, I think you're right. Maybe maybe in, in five years, six years, I won't feel that hatred for Duke. Duke anymore because Coach K won't be there because part of it is he is smug. Obviously, he's successful. Right? He's yeah, the greatest he is good. college basketball coach ever. Right? You can be smug and be a bad coach, and nobody's going to hate you for that. It's when <laughs> you're smug and you're successful. That's what people hate, and that's why people hate Duke. Um, and one of the many many reasons the players too. Some yeah, of the players he brought in be smug. Too. But but and now one of them is a coach. Yeah, one of them will be the next coach, John Shire. But yeah, no, that's right. He... <laughs> that's true. We'll, we'll see how he handles as a coach. But, yeah, um... but and you know, just uh, Leland would normally be on this podcast, and I I know if we asked him, especially with Virginia Tech football, if if someone says Virginia Tech football will win a national championship, but it means UVA football also has to win a national championship, I, he would take it, and that's because Leland does get more joy out of winning than seeing his rivals lose i will tell you something about our personality or yes i I do think that says a lot (laughs) when it especially with me and leland i said i think it says a lot about our personalities i will say the most enjoyment i've ever got watching a tournament game is seeing uva lose when they were the one seed to (laughs) umbc like that is bar none number one and the least amount of enjoyment i got was watching uva win it all so you know what I, I would agree with you there. It, it's weird. Like, I hate Duke. Like, I hate Duke because as a Carolina fan, you learn to hate Duke. But I grew up in Virginia as a Carolina fan. And when I was young, you know, they were actually good. Uh, Ralph Sampson was there. Um, uh, that, you know, they made the Final Four with the year after Ralph Sampson left or whatever. But they were a good team. And so I had a lot of friends that were UVA fans and I learned to hate just <laughs> hate UVA because of that because and, and maybe that says something about my personality that these are my friends and I want to see them sad right right <laughs> see them I want to see their team lose I'm, I should root for their team I should be happy that my friends are having success and happy but I couldn't be and that hatred for UVA has stuck with me all these years so when they won the the I, I still remember when Georgia Tech came in. This is how old I am. Georgia Tech came into the conference. They were bad. Like, they were really bad in basketball when they came into the conference. Their first – I'd have to look this up. I'm pretty sure I remember this. Their first conference victory was against UVA. Um, I loved that. I was a kid. I was a little, I, I loved 
that. And I rubbed it into all my friends who are UVA fans that they've lost the god awful Georgia Tech basketball. And so, yeah, when they won the national championship, I was sitting at the, the Virginia Press Association Awards. We were sitting in uh, Roanoke or Richmond. I can't remember exactly where. I think it was R- Roanoke. But we were sitting in the hotel ballroom, and that game was on. And they actually stopped the award ceremony because so many people were watching that game. And, and I started thinking, oh, my gosh, I was rooting for Texas Tech so hard. Yeah. Please pull this out. Please win. I was as sad at that UVA win as I was happy at any Carolina national championship because I just knew. And again, this is, makes me a horrible person. And maybe I am, maybe I need therapy. I just did not want all those people that I knew were UVA fans. I knew I was going to go on social media and how happy they were going to be and how smug they were going to be. And, oh, I just, I couldn't. I couldn't take it. I, I just avoided social media for a while. I did not want to see that out of all those friends. And and, and maybe it's something to do with UVA too, right? It's just I was gonna say, I think for school. me it's I mean, it's the team more so than the individuals, right? Like I have friends who are Nats fans, you included, and I have friends who are Braves fans. When the Braves won, I didn't have any animosity toward my friends that were Braves fans because that's not I don't have any ill will toward the Atlanta Braves. But the Washington Nationals, all those friends used to be Orioles fans. And so when they became. Okay, well, most, (laughs) I should say most were Orioles fans. And so then when they became, when they became Nationals fans and then they win a World Series before I do, I'm like, no, you left. Like, this isn't right. We're supposed to win one before you. Like, you haven't suffered, even though. That my logic gets blown up when I'm telling you most of them were Orioles fans before. They've suffered the same amount of time I have. I'm like, no, no, this isn't right. And so it, yeah, I got no enjoyment out of that World Series. That, but that being said, when last year, when the Yankees are like trying desperately to get in that World Series, I will root for the Houston Astros, who I hate because they cheated. Just like I rooted for them when they played the Nationals. I hated the Astros for cheating. I absolutely root for those cheaters. And I am sitting there. I'm like, hey, if there's anything I can do here in Virginia to help you cheat and win, you let me know because I don't want them to win. And so when the Astros eliminate the Yankees, I am sitting, I am loving it. I'm celebrating in our group text with a Yankee fan who's like, how can you root for these cheaters? And I'm like, because we beat you. And I use the term we because it is a collective American victory. It's interesting. I think it's just the UVA, like Virginia Tech, I don't have that same animosity towards Virginia Tech. Like I've got a lot of friends that are Virginia Tech fans. And if Virginia Tech wins, you know, I'm fine with that. I'm happy for for my friends who are Virginia Tech fans. I think it's this thing. Maybe it's because UVA and Carolina were, so big rivalry. It was a big rivalry back, especially right. when, when Virginia was good. It, 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 there was a long span in between them being good, but they were good under Terry Holland, and then now they're good again. Um, I think there's a big rivalry there, and, and you know, and, and you hear it when Carolina loses to Virginia. You would hear it from those fans. I think I just hated that so much. And on top of that, the Virginia people, the people I know that went to Virginia, they're so 
you get tired of hearing how great that university is. And and you can't say, God, you, you slip up and you say campus. And one of them tells you, no, it's the grounds. Or if you slip up and say, hey, I've got a friend that goes to UVA. She, uh, she's a sophomore. Oh, you mean a second year? No, I mean a damn sophomore. That's what I mean. Because yeah, because tell them. I, no, I hate, I, I think there's just that smugness about, there's a smugness about Duke basketball mm-hmm. that comes from people that don't even go to Duke just because of the success of the basketball. There's a smugness about UVA fans just because they think their university is so much better than than anybody else's. So I think that plays into it a little bit. Um, you know, I've, I've got one or two UVA fans who, who I, I like, and I, I kind of felt good. I've got one that lives in Minnesota. He went to Longwood, and he, he just grew up. He's kind of like me, right? He, he didn't go to that university, but he grew up in Virginia. He was a University of Virginia fan. He moved to Minnesota. He was there, you know, when they won. I was happy for him, right? He sure. Did. For him, I was happy because he had suffered. He had watched his team lose that, that number 16 seed. He, he's not the kind of guy who was smug, but but there's a lot of people that I just just took I, I, when they lost to to, to the, the 16th seed. I took a lot of pleasure in that. When they won, I was sad. So yeah, I don't know. And, and you know, I I get myself in trouble on this podcast sometimes with no, friends. Really? Yeah, with friends because I generalize when I say like Yankees are the worst people in the world. I know some Yankee friends who are very good people. I know. I say Philly fans are the worst humans on the planet and they're the most <laughs> hateful humans in the country by far. I know John Leonard, who has come on this podcast, is one of the nicest people I have ever met in my life and is a Philadelphia fan. And I don't understand it. I don't know how he's a Philadelphia <laughs> fan. I don't know how he grew up in that area and turned out the way he is. I'm so happy, though, for him. And when they win, I feel good for him. Uh the Pirates. I, I talked about the Pirates. Leland is a friend who likes the Pirates. Coach Lost loves the Pirates. Yeah, I would be happy George for Lost, them. They're George super Lost good is people. A huge Pittsburgh fan, right? I mean, George Lost loves all things Pittsburgh. And there's not a nicer person in this world. Yeah. Than George Lost. Great people. So, yes. And I'm happy. I'm happy for those individuals. But I am really have my heart torn out of me when the Steelers win a game or when the Penguins win. Like, honestly, the Penguins getting ready to be eliminated in this hockey playoffs that are going to be coming up, I am just sitting there like, yes. I know the Capitals, who are probably going to have to play the Florida Panthers in the first round. God, if they get – if the Panthers are gentlemen about that sweep, that will be – they might as well have a parade in D.C. for that because the way their goalies are giving up goals, that, I mean, over – over, over, over. That's yes. that's the Joe investment plan for that round. But <laughs> I don't care if the Capitals lose for nothing. As long as the Penguins get knocked out in the first round, that's all I care about. That's all I want out of the hockey playoffs. I, I, I will agree with you there. I, I really hate the Penguins. Um, I also hate I've got Crosby. A friend, oh. I've got a friend that's a huge Caps fan. And she hates the Flyers. Like she hates Oh, everything about yeah. the Flyers. I do too. I don't like the Flyers, but I'm with you. I think the Penguins, I hate them more than the Flyers. Hey, hate, hate is so close to love. <laughs> and I think that's one of the big things about being a sports fan is that that hate is fun. Like, like if you don't, 
you, you can't take it to extremes, right? And as right. you said, I mean, I've got friends that love Fiona, and at the end of the day, I still like them as as, as friends, and and we know it's just a sport, but but hating another team, there's there's some fun. It it's a little bit cathartic in a way to, to have that kind of hate. Have you ever read the book? Um, oh my gosh, I, I'm going to blank on it now. I should look it up. Um, to hate like this is to be happy forever. It's about the Duke Carolina rivalry. I'll have to read it. I haven't read it. I will have to read it. Um, but I, I'm a hundred percent with you, Patrick. And I Leland sometimes tells me like, "Dude, that's not healthy. You shouldn't be like that." Like, <laughs> but I'm like, no. But that's what makes sports. Like, and I think a large part of it is the majority of my teams I know aren't going to win. Like, I just know Virginia Tech football is never going to win a national championship in my life. I know that fact. The fact that UVA loses to us makes it so much better. And the fact that UVA is also never going to win a football national championship makes it so much better. When when I sit there and watch the Orioles, I do. I desperately hope that they win a World Series in my lifetime. But when I watch the Yankees or the Red Sox crash out of the playoffs, it brings so much joy to my heart, more than any Orioles win that year does. And honestly, like winning the Yankees series this this weekend – winning two out of three against them, I was like, dude, forget what else happens. That was hilarious. And the fact that, like, we were the reason the Yankees didn't win the AL East last year. When you look at the number of games the Yankees lost to the Orioles and then look what the Rays did to the Orioles, the differential there decided the AL East. And I was like, yes, I have so much joy knowing that we spoiled their AL East title. Uh, here it is. I, I looked it up. You should read this. It, it, it may not be as impactful for you as, as you're not a Carolina or a Duke fan, but the hate like this is to be happy forever, a thoroughly obsessive, intermittently uplifting, and occasionally unbiased account of the Duke-North Carolina basketball rivalry by Will Blythe. Um, he's a Carolina fan, and so he wrote this from a Carolina perspective, but it is it is such a good book, and it describes a lot of what we were just talking about, right? Just that the love of a team is, is one thing, but to hate a team it's also a lot of fun in sports <laughs> to have that hate. Um, I hate the film in baseball, right? it, it, especially when they got Bryce Harper. Like I really, really hated the Phillies, and I still do. So, so that's probably of all the and baseball honestly, teams. You were talking about the NBA. I think that's part of my problem in the NBA. I just don't have that team I hate. Like watching the Lakers not make the playoffs <laughs> this year was funny, but I don't hate the <laughs> Lakers. Like. And as a Wizards fan, I like because I guess I've I've never also been like super into the NBA. I just I don't have that team I hate, and so I'm like, eh, I don't. I know the Wizards aren't going to win, so oh well, okay. And, and I don't have that other team that I then look at, and I'm like, as long as they don't win, fine. Like with Virgi- like I said, with Virginia Tech, it's UVA. With with the Orioles, it's the Yankees and and the Red Sox. With with the Ravens, it's the Steelers and the Patriots. <laughs> Part of that is the rivalry that the team you root for has with, right? Right. And as you mentioned, the Wizards. I can't. I, I don't. Na- I can't name their rival. Anybody. Yeah, I can't name their <laughs> rival. I'm like, I don't know the Hornets. Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point because because even the Nationals, I mean, they haven't been around for an extremely long time, but I feel like the Nationals, Phillies, really developed a pretty good rivalry there. Um, and and obviously Washington football, you know, I can't, I still have trouble saying the Commanders. Washington football and Dallas is, is a rivalry that goes back decades. 
um, we talked about Duke Carolina um, in hockey, you know, obviously the, the, the Penguins and the Capitals are such a huge rivalry. The Wizards, I don't know. Like, I don't know because the Wizards have been so bad for so long that it's tough to have a rivalry when you're that bad. Like, yeah. you're not you're not beating anybody, really. You're not ending anybody's season. Um, you know, I mean, I don't like Boston, I guess, I, you know. Yeah, but most of my hatred with Boston is kind of tied to other sports. Like, I'm like, I just don't like that. I don't like your other teams. So I guess I don't like you. Like, but it's not because of anything with the Wizards. That's a very good point. That's a very good. I like the NBA. I I like the NBA just because I'm a basketball fan and it's the best. It is the best basketball. Yeah. I mean, if you want to watch the best, I love college basketball. Like, to me, the NBA is just pure uh, athleticism and, and, it's the best basketball there is on the planet. But, yeah, I, I would agree. Maybe I'm not as invested in the NBA because I don't have that team I hate. Boy, you, you gave me something to think about. Yeah, and, and so, like, I got into European, like, English Premier League soccer. I I watched a Liverpool match. was like, that coach is insane. I love him. I want to be a fan of that team. One of the first things I did after I decided this is my team was, okay, who do we hate? And I found three teams that we hate. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. Like, and I hate those teams. I root against them. Manchester City is one. Now, they're a new rival because of the fact that those are Liverpool and Manchester City are the two teams going head to head all the time, including this weekend in the FA Cup, FA Cup semifinal that Liverpool won. But also Manchester United because of that's the that used to be the top two teams in the league. And Everton is the team that's in the same city so that's their local rival and i'm like got it those are the three teams we hate all on board like let's do this and so like at jmu that was one of the biggest problems when i got to jmu i was like okay who's our rival and they're like ah you know we kind of don't like william and mary we kind of don't like richmond and i'm like yeah but who do we hate and they're like i don't know and i was like okay then i can't I can't do this. Like you're not invested. You're not real. <laughs> you gotta hate somebody. You gotta right? hate somebody. Yeah. I, I remember as a kid, I, I never even really thought about this. Dude brought it up as a kid rooting for the bullets. Um, I, I, I try to manufacture just in my own little mind, this rivalry with the Dallas Mavericks for some reason, because I was such a big football fan and I knew that Washington and Dallas just hated each other. And like, I look forward to those Washington Dallas football games more than I look forward to any sport. I mean, even back then, it, Duke Carolina was not Duke Carolina. It, it, I guess it was to some people, but not to me. Like, the Washington-Dallas football was the... I loved the two times they played, and if they ever met in the playoffs, oh my gosh, it, it, it was it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And so, I tried to manufacture this rivalry between Dallas and Washington, and it didn't work because, unlike the football team, they weren't in the same... <laughs> Yeah, the same their geography makes they didn't sense. Play each other yeah. that much. There was nothing about the Dallas Mavericks I hated back then. So yeah, there never was a team that that I really hated. In the wow, I, I never even thought of it like that. So in order to be a passionate sports fan, you have to have that love for a team, but you also have to have that hate for a team. I think we've we've we've. And I think we're on to something there. There is a the yeah. There is a book. I I know you've, you've talked about the. North Carolina Duke rivalry. There is a book and maybe a whole philosophy around what we have just talked about with just in general, you have to have that thing you love, but if you don't also have that thing you hate, 
It's just never the same in sports. It's just never the same. If not a book, I, I see at least a newsletter column. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, you have that to look forward to, folks. Until then, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Make sure you're on Twitter. You can find us at Yak Sports Pod. We're on Facebook, Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribing on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever podcast platform you have. Spotify is another one. You can find us on there and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss another episode. Again, we are expecting Leland back next week, but Patrick, I want to thank you for coming on and talking with us, helping us uh, with the local Augusta County stuff, as well as just our general hatred of certain teams. I've enjoyed this. I enjoyed being the fake Leland for the week. So uh, thanks for, for having me on. All right. Well, until then, folks, have a great rest of your week and good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.